Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Everyone say shift. The word, you know, and while we were chilling, one of the things I love about vacation for me, I always find for vacation to me is sitting next to a pool, chilling next to a beach and doing nothing. That's my vacation. But Jacqueline and Ange like to do things. And so they pull me out and we're scuba diving and we're doing all this stuff. And, I, you know, I'm just like, I want to go, I want to relax. And so, because for me, that's a time to read. And uh, things get so busy that I don't have time to read leisurely. And so I read ministry books. I take time to refresh me on vacation. And I had some time in Cancun just to kind of read. And the word I kept hearing in my prayer time is shift. Just kept hearing this word shift over and over and over again. And we talk about shift. That we, we took my daughter to go look for a car. And as we were looking for cars, she would find a car that was really cute for her. And she looked in it, she was like, oh, dad, this is it. And then she'd look in the mirror or look in the window and see that it was a manual or a stick shift. And she goes, oh, I can't get this one. And so she would walk away from it because she doesn't know how to drive stick. She doesn't know how to shift. And I haven't taught her yet. And so I need you to understand that when you don't know how to shift in life, it limits your opportunities. That when you don't know how to shift from one season in life into another season of life, you find that your choices are limited. And I believe that God is calling us to get ready for a season of shift. Because an individual that is single, that gets married, that doesn't know how to shift from a life of singleness into a life of marriedness, he's going to have, he's going to be divorced before you know it. An individual that wants to buy a house that doesn't know how to shift from, from the spending and buying whatever I want into a, a, a shifting mindset of budget is going to be in trouble and is going to lose the house. So what am I telling you? Shifting is important. We have to know how to shift and when to shift. And for how many of you know how to drive a stick shift? Okay. How many of you don't know how to drive a stick shift? Okay. For, for those of you that know how, when you're teaching someone else how to drive a stick shift, what, what, how do you tell them, how do you explain to them when to shift? There, there's a certain sound. When the engine is revving, to, it's just, you, you can just hear it. And if you don't hear it, you don't have the ability to hear that it's time to shift. When you don't recognize it's a season of shift in your marriage, a season of shift in your body, because most of us don't shift until it's too late. You don't shift physically until the doctor says, you know, you got four clogged arteries. Mike, it's good to see you, man. You got four clogged arteries and we got to do open heart surgery on you and so forth. It's not until that time do we find ourselves getting right health wise. It's not until you find out that your wife left you, your husband left you, that you start focusing in on your marriage. It's not until you get the repossession notice that you start thinking, man, I better start budgeting here. Or it's not until you get laid off your job that you start realizing, maybe I should show up on time. The word shift, everyone say shift means to cause to move to a different place or position, to make a change, to change gears, or even a work shift, a a time of work, a time of working, to shift 
everything will pass us by. And we will become obsolete in years. What am I saying? As a church, if we don't shift, we will miss out on being able to reach generations. And the thing I keep hearing God calling me, calling me and telling me is there's a shift happening. And we have to be prepared for this shift. I want to encourage you this morning that shifts allow us and are vital. They help us grow. And that some shifts in society are evident. We see things that are going. There used to be a time where the church was the central part of a family's life. Not anymore. Some of these shifts are good. Some of these shifts are bad. But shifts are evident and they are taking place right now. And we see shifts taking place in church. We, we get to the point where church is more of a motivational speaking session than a place where you come to meet God. A place where I come to tell you that you're okay, I'm okay, and, you know, just look in the mirror and tell yourself, I like myself, I like myself, I can do this. And then we walk out and find out the power of man rather than coming to experience the power of God. So the problem is church used to be a place where you would get corrected. It was almost like going to a chiropractor where you would get adjusted, kind of get back in alignment again. But nowadays we have a shift where we don't want anyone telling us what to do. That's why we don't have, any, we don't have longevity on jobs anymore. Because we don't like to be told what to do. And so you have to go look for another job because you keep getting fired everywhere that you're at. Four shifts that I really believe that God is calling us. I'm only going to talk about one this morning, but four shifts I want to share with you quickly. Number one, what I call a leader shift. A leader shift in the aspect from our leaders ministering to our leaders equipping. We are called to equip, not just to minister. We are called to equip the body of Christ. And I believe that God is bringing a shifting in our leadership where we start preparing those of you that call CWC home, that this is a place that we start equipping you to do the work of the ministry. Secondly, a priority shift where we're shifting from events to relationship. In fact, I would, I would go as far to say this. Some of you don't have a clue who's sitting behind you. And yet this is the house of God, the family of God. The reason we don't know is, number one, we come in late and we leave early. And so you have no opportunity to develop relationships because we're so much in a rush. We don't have a clue who the people are that are called the church, the church. So how can the church help you when the church doesn't even know you? We don't know what the need is. We don't know what the situation is. Because as soon as the worship is done is when you walk in. It's before we even do the altar call, you're out the door. Why? Because I got to get to Red Robin. <laughs> Until the doctor gets a hold of you and tells you you got four clogged arteries and you need to stop going to Red Robin. So I see there has to be a shift from events to relationship where we're taking the church and developing the family that we call CWC. Third thing I see is a ministry shift, a shift where we go from a shift of consumers into contributors. We are in such a consumerism society today that we walk into everywhere to see what people can do for me. What do you have for me? What can you give me? And we'll yelp it, too. They did not take care of me. Do not go to this place. Why? Because it's all about me. 
And we choose churches, restaurants, we church gymnasium, gyms, workout places, all based on what people do for you. But that was never what Jesus intended the church to be. The church was a place where you displayed your gifts, not where they catered to you. Say it again, Pastor. Dang, it's quiet up in here. Let's keep on going. Let's go to number four because we'll talk about that later. Generational shift. Everyone say generational shift. You know what? For, for those of you young people in here, especially the two that just walked in right now. <laughs> all, all our young people in here, y'all are, you are vital. TJ, you are vital. You, you are not just important. You are vital. Little Adam sitting right back there, he's vital. Every one of our kids here are vital. Why? Because I tell you this, and I'm begging every one of our young people, don't let our church get old. Don't let this church get old. Now, I'm not saying don't let it grow up. I'm not talking maturity. I'm talking that we have to, if we don't have new people, new children coming in, we have to start valuing our children. We got to take time to pour in to our kids. We got to prioritize our children. And what am I saying? I'm not talking just about our kids. I'm talking that we have people that love babies so much that they're fighting over one another to get to the nursery to take care of our kids. Not women that are in there that hate kids, that don't want to be around kids, that I got to be in here with these crying kids, but people that are so passionate about our children that they're not just taking care of them, they're pouring the love of God into them. There has to be a generational shift. I remember as a kid, I didn't want to come to church because there was nothing for us. And if we don't start catering the church to the earlier generation, we're going to miss this generation. That's a whole other message. Stand with me as we turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Ephesians 4, 11. When you're there, say amen. amen. It, how, how many know shifts happen all the time? Yeah. You know, growing up, when I was a kid, who would have ever thought you would buy bottled water? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I just, you know, I remember selling lemon, having a lemonade stand as a kid, but you would never sit on the corner of the street Trying to sell water. Who would have thought back in the day it was 50 cents for a cup of coffee at Denny's? Who would have thought you would have had a million Starbucks coffee shops on every, yeah, yeah, Lydia, we see you, a <laughs> coffee shop on every stinking corner selling $5 coffees and people buying them? And not just one. Two or three a day. Lydia says thank you. <laughs> Shift. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. If you're there, say amen. amen. Notice this. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave. Everyone say gave. gave. To the church. God, God loves you so much, he gives. I, I know you love me when you give me. Mel, thank you. I, I know that there's love when there's gifts that are given. It's an expression. You, you, can't, you, you can't say you love someone without expressing it. Love is not love until it's demonstrated. You know, oh, girl, you know I love you. No, I don't know you love me. Demonstrate it. 
open a door for me. Take time to, to, to plan an evening out with me. Take time to, to call me. Take time to, to be interested in my life. Love has to be expressed. It's not implied. Well, I told you I loved you when I married you. Okay, I better, I better keep. Now, these are the gifts. Everyone say gifts. That Christ gave. So Christ didn't, God didn't give just one gift. He gave many gifts. And these are the gifts he gave. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. These are gifts that God gave to the church. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I, I want you to know that God gave you a gift. How many know, re recognize something? Get ready for this. Do you realize that the gift that God gave you Thanks, Dan. Appreciate that, man. One Raider fan to another. The rest of you didn't even get it. Matt, Pastor Matt, stand up. Pastor Ant, stand up. Pastor T, stand up. <laughs> Reverend Troy. The, the, these, these people are God's gift. God loved you so much. That he said, I want to give you something. And I don't want to just give you a thing. I want to give you someone. I want to give you something. I value you so greatly that I'm going to raise up people to be leadership over you. People that are going to encourage you, strengthen you, love you, protect you, pray for you. I'm going to give you a gift. Reverend Sylvia in the back, back there. I got a gift I want to give to you. Whether you like this gift or not, we do not come with gift receipts. You can't return us. You can't exchange us for another gift. We are the gift that God gave to you. And I, I want you to notice that the same word gave, everyone say gave, gave, is the same word that we find in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he, he gave his only son. God gave. He, he gave of himself when he gave his son. And then he gives of himself again when he gave us to you. Now, I, I need you to grab a hold of this because what is this gift for? Why did God give us to you? It's because if you look back at Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11, for the equipping, for the perfecting other versions say. For, now, I want you to understand that we have been gifted to you to equip you. And this is where things have gotten off. Remember, I shared with you years ago that Dr. Dr. Miles Monroe said this, that when you do not know the purpose of the thing, abuse is inevitable. When you do not know the purpose of the thing, you will abuse it. That's why when you don't know the purpose of a wife, you'll abuse her. You don't know the purpose of money, you'll abuse it. You don't know the purpose of a drug, you'll abuse it. Come on, somebody. And so when you do not know the purpose of the thing, abuse is inevitable. When you don't know the purpose of the gift that has been given to you in your pastors, in your apostles, in your prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, you will abuse the gift that God gave to you. Because you don't know how to use us. What am I saying? We are here to equip you. Everyone say equip. equip. 
I'm taking you somewhere now. Now, notice something. Look at verse 12. It says this. And their responsibility, there it's talking about the gift that God gave you, that our responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Whose work are we supposed to do? Whose work? Is it the responsibility to equip God's people is to do? It's not my job. When I was raised in church, I always thought it was a pastor's job to do everything. Open the door at the church, clean the church, uh, close the church, preach at the church, sing at the church, take visit, be at all the birthday parties, be at, be at all, the, uh, all the hospital visits, take care of this, take care of that. We had to be there, take care of all. That was the pastor's job. That's not what the word is declaring. Our responsibilities do equip you. The problem is, I, I, want, I want to talk about what equip means first. I want you to know what the word equip means. That word equip, check this out. We've been so busy in, in, in our lives in, in, in building our own kingdoms, building our own homes, building our own families, building our own business. We have been building our own kingdom that we haven't had time to build his kingdom. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 says, seek ye first Seek ye first and his, then all these things will be added unto you. What things? If you look in chapter 6 before verse 33, he's talking about clothing. He's talking about food. He's talking about housing. He's talking about peace. He's talking about money. He's talking about necessity. He's saying, God knows you need all these things. But if you would just place me first, if you would get your priorities in line and place me first, I'll make sure that all these things are taken care of for you. It's all about priority. It's all about getting the shift in order. And that word equip, take, take a look at this. Everyone say equip. equip. Now this is the word we find in Ephesians chapter 4, where in verse 12 where it says equipping the body of Christ. That word equip is karizo. Now the Greek word karizo is important. It means to set a bone. How many have ever had a broken bone here? Now how many have ever had a broken bone that had to be reset? How many remember how that felt? Wasn't it great? Now, I, 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 broke, I broke a couple ribs playing football before, but, you know, it's not, it wasn't a displaced fracture. It was just something, it was a, it was a cr couple cracked ribs, and I, I just had to deal with it. They just wrapped it. I had to deal with it. For those of you that had a displacement were actually broken, you had to reset it. Why did they have to reset it? So what? Because it'll heal wrong. And the bone's live, but the material, the bone marrow has blood. That's where your blood comes from. And it has the ability that if it's off, your bone will heal. It'll just start growing and reconnecting itself, but in the wrong way. And if, it re and if it's not set the right way, they have to re-break it and graft it and then redo it again in order for you to be able to live healthy. That word equip literally means to set a bone. That means that many people have come to church broken. Oh, come on, somebody. 
You've walked in these doors broken by life, broken by relationships, broken by pastors, broken by churches, broken by ministers, broken by family, broken by a husband, broken by a wife, broken by someone that you were counting on, and you ended up fractured, and you walk into the church, and the moment that pastor, through the word of God, starts pushing on that bone, ow! Don't touch it! And we would rather limp out of that place with that displaced fracture still than to sit there and allow the word of God to bring it back into place once again. And what we get back into is that, well, I'm functioning. I'm doing all right. Everything's cool. I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm not in pain anymore. Yeah, your marriage is falling apart. Your finances are falling apart. The cat doesn't like you. The dog pees on you. Your kids don't want nothing to do with you. But I, I'm all right. I, I'm okay. The word equip literally means to place back in. That we're, our responsibilities, we're supposed to push on those areas that are out of joint. To put back into order again, I want to take you farther than that. It also means a mending of a net. But we go to the book of Mark chapter 1, verse 19. It tells the story of Jesus walking on the beach and he's calling the apostles. And as he's calling the disciples, he sees the disciples there and he begins to call them. And as he's calling them, he comes to, to, to a couple of them that are sitting there. And the Bible says here in Mark chapter 1, verse 19, a little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's son, James and John, in the boat repairing. Everyone say repairing. repairing. Or mending the nets. That's the same word that's used as a quip in the book of Ephesians. That whenever you're using these nets and you're catching fish... The nets get stretched out. Come on, somebody. You know that pair of underwear that don't fit as tight as they used to? <laughs> you know those things that get <laughs> those things that get stretched out? The elastic don't work as good as it used to. The dryer has dried it out, and now when you stretch it, it just stays there. It don't come back. The nets, are, they get stretched and as they're pulling and they're, they're, they're getting pulled and they get caught on things. They begin to tear and they get stretched apart. They begin to break. Every good fisherman knows that after you're done fishing, the work isn't done yet. You got to clean the nets. You got to get rid of all the debris. You got to take time to start fixing all the holes. Why? Because if you go fishing with nets that have holes in them, you won't catch the blessing that God is trying to send your way oh I'm going somewhere this morning with this that there are some blessings that we have missed because we're torn apart we've been ripped we've been broken and you can't hold on to the blessings that God keeps sending because you haven't been mended yet so we want to do things our own way we have our own philosophy of our own idea on how to make things happen. That word also can be translated training or discipline. And the word is implying that like nets, we have all been damaged by use. Come on, somebody. How many are tired? I mean, I'm not just talking this morning, just tired. Life, like, my God, there has to be more. 
to this? How many feel like you've been stretched this past year like never before? And the more you get stretched, things begin to get, things get harder. You find the elements, the climates, the, the environment that you're in begins to dry you out. It tears you up. This is what they're going through. And I want you to understand that this staff, listen to me, CWC family. For those of you just first-time visitors, listen to me closely. This staff is here to mend you. We preach every Sunday. Last night, we got... This past week, we got home from vacation. I was, I was just sick. I'm uh, just, just totally feeling out of it. I tried to study in the office, still went into the office for the first three days and just tried to study, put things together. And it just wasn't coming about. We had a wedding we had to go to out in Cambria. My wife was like, just call him, tell him you can't make it. If I you know, can't do that now. Drove out three hours, went to the wedding, then uh, spent the night out there, came back, drove in, got home, and I was like, you know, maybe I'll just pull out an old sermon. Maybe find an old word that I can just kind of, you know, just kind of re rebake or something. And, you know, people, don't, they'll, they'll never know. Maybe we just kind of do something to kind of share, share with them. My wife is like, yeah, babe, you're tired. We just got home. We just pulled in. And I, I was burnt. I was tired. I was going through it. And I was like, I can't, I can't bring day-old bread here. I can't bring you leftovers. I locked myself in the office and... 8.30 at night, just locked myself in the office and started seeking God. Why do we do this? Why do we take time to prepare fresh bread for you and then you decide that you don't even want to come in to eat it? People have the nerve sometimes to call me and ask, are you preaching today? What does it matter if I'm preaching or not? The word of God's going to be freshly baked every time you come to this house. We're here to mend you, put you back together. That's why we care. We're not here to build an organization. We're here to build a family. Don't run when things get bad. Stick around and help us. Help us put you back together again. Through the word, why do we put you back together? What's the purpose? Why? So that you could then do the work of the ministry. You got to catch this. We don't put you. This drives me crazy. I see marriages that are falling apart. They come in and we help you put things back together again. And once you get things back together, you stop coming to church and you're out every weekend at all this place and that place. And you forget about the God that puts you back together again. God has to stay a priority. Why are you put back together? This is why. So that you could take that tattered life that was once broken, and now you got the scar of where they replaced it. And you see someone else with a limp just like yours. Rose, that's why you do what you do. That's why you deal with all these girls, because you were those girls. You can go to those girls and minister to those young ladies because you got the same scar. But you can walk now. And you're trying to help them walk now. Dan, that's why you do what you do, man. You had those same limps that these guys have. That's why you take time every Sunday to drive to the Salvation Army, pick up the van at my house, 
While everyone else is out eating lunch, you're out picking men up at the home, bringing them in so they could be in service to eat a meal from heaven. Then go take them back after church because you got the scar. And you want to see them put back together again. Some of you that have been divorced and now, now you're, you're, you're remarried and God has restored, God's blessed you. Do you know that your story can be an encouragement to someone else that's struggling today? Some of you single moms that thought it was the end when you got pregnant, now all of a sudden you're a great mom with great kids and, and, and there's blessing of God that God has brought upon your life and here you are to be an encouragement to the other women to say, hey, it's not over. Verse 13 as I close. This will continue, someone say continue, until we all, that means every one of us in this family, come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature, not old, mature. We need to grow up. We need to mature. In the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. God has a standard. God has a plan. I don't want to be passed by in the blessings of God. I want to be in the teeth of the revival. I want to be in the middle of the move of God. I want to be right in the heart of the storm of the presence of God. I don't know about you, but I don't want these things to pass me by. And I know when I look around this room, I see a lot of people that have gone through a lot of things. What's that tell me? That means you have a lot to give. I, I used to pray, God, why do I have so many people around me with issues? God, send me some of the, the business people that ain't got no issues. Everything's cool. They got, you know, they, they roll up in their Lexus. They drop off a fat tithe check. They don't call you with problems or issues. And then they just leave after church is over. And they, and they send you a gift basket after it's done. God, wh why, why haven't you sent me to people like that? You know why? Because God has sent us to mend the people in this room, in this house, in this family, to take time to put you together. Why? Because you have an ability to touch lives. It's not about putting you back together so you can just sit there and say, wow, look at me. I clean up well. It's so you can then take your success and help someone else out with it. And some of you have made it through. You're a success story, but you stop giving back. And that's why you're struggling today. Because we were never meant just to sit there and celebrate our own success. God created us for God so loved the world that he... It's about giving. I ain't even collecting an offering. It's about giving. And I want to give you something this morning. I want to give you wholeness. I want to mend you this morning. Bow your heads with me. John, would you just sing over them?
about and eyes closed, no looking around, very private moment. You're broken. It might have been from another church, another pastor, or even this pastor, or this staff, or this church. You might have been shattered by a relationship, hurt, or broken by another person. And you find yourself just getting by in life, and you've never been in a place long enough to be set And every time God starts to do something in you, it it gets thwarted because you, you think you're disqualified because of your defect. But I'm here to tell you, God wants to put you back together today because the very thing you think disqualifies you is the very thing that will qualify you. It's going to be the very thing that God's going to use to show off his glory in your life. And so stop running. I want you today to find yourself in that place that God can put things back together. So if that's you on the count of three, I'm simply going to have you lift your hand in the air and stand to your feet. You're broken. There's some shatteredness in you. We want to mend you on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Stand to your feet quickly. Right where you are. There you go. Amen. Amen. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash CWC Bay Area.